0: All right, Uh, we're living in a time of uncertainty and chaos, Uh, in part because of the strains of the culture war in America between nationalists and progressives, the extremes of secularism, radical individuality, and the sexual revolution. You add to that the rise in anti-Semitism and anti-Christian violence in our own country and to some extent around the world. And then the larger world chaos as Russia has uh, brought its war against Ukraine and the unspeakable horror of the Hamas invasion of Israel and the threats between the war potential between us and Iran and China. But our hope is in the resurrection and we await the kingdom to come and the gathering together of Israel and ourselves and the reunion with those who have died in the Lord, as we have just remembered them. I told you two weeks ago that you need to separate prophecy and politics in this current war, because the implications of mixing those creates, uh, I think, confusion and misunderstanding. But I've been noticing uh, that the religious media and churches are tying the prophecies. Of this war as the beginning of the end. So I thought it best to remind us of what the Lord actually taught on this about the end. Because we can be assured that this is not the end. Okay? We are not living in the last generation. Or at least at this point, that's, that's not the case. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 13. I'm going to look at Mark because this this statement by Jesus is made in in Matthew 23. It's made in Luke 21. It's made here in Mark uh, 13. They're all slightly different. I believe Jesus probably taught these things uh, multiple times. Uh, I've learned very quickly that uh, I think I've said something so much that Everybody in the classroom knows it, and then somebody will ask a question that lets me know that they didn't get it, right? Uh, so, we're going to look at Mark 13 uh, and look at specifically what Jesus said are the signs of the end. So, I've titled this, This Is Not the End, right? Um, what's going on now is talked about in the scriptures but not as a sign to the end. So, in chapter 13, the first two verses, Jesus was going out, this, by the way, this happens during the last week, the week we call the Passion Week. This is right after the uh, triumphal entry. Um, He, meaning Jesus, was going out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you not see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Now Jesus of course is talking about the destruction of the temple. But in some sense that's true of this entire world. There is nothing of permanence in this creation. This creation will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And a new creation will. Will, will take its place. So anything that's done here is temporary, including miracles. I mean, I, I think the raising of Lazarus is wonderful, but he had to die again. When we get to the resurrection, when the Lord returns, that's a once-for-all resurrection. And we need to keep that in mind. We need to understand the temporal versus the, the eternal. So now we pick it up in verse 3. Go to 13. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. From the Mount of Olives you can see the temple mount. Just It's gorgeous right across there. Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all things are going to be fulfilled. They're asking about two things. When is this going to happen here to the temple and when is everything going to be fulfilled? In other words, tell us about the end of the age. And Jesus said, See that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am, and will mislead many. In other words, many will come claiming that Jesus is the Messiah, and then they're going to deceive people. You will hear of wars, and rumors of wars, but do not be frightened. Those things must take place But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Be on your guard, however, for they will deliver you to the courts and you will be flogged in the synagogues when you stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you are going to say. Whatever is given you in that hour, it will not be you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death. A father is child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all people because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now Jesus tells them, There's going to be wars, but that's not the end. Wars, famines, and earthquakes are not the sign of the end. Uh, I think it's fascinating that almost every prophecy teacher I know look at the wars, and particularly related to Israel, and somehow think that's a sign that we're to look for. Now, the prophets are full of texts about battles between Israel and Israel. And their neighboring peoples. And those texts are filled with wars in the Middle East and against Israel. And they have common patterns of attack. And probably fit both the historical times and some times that will happen later. Those are patterns. But the wars are not the uh, the sign of the end. Jesus told them not to look at those for this as a sign. They are simply birth pangs. And I believe often false labor. These things come and back off and come and back off. One time they will move on to the other things, but they haven't done, done that yet. So we need to look at the signs that Jesus tells us to look at, not the signs that the prophecy teachers are telling us to look at. Now what he does say is that persecution will accompany the preaching of the gospel. And there will be persecution among the nations for those who try to live righteous. And he says we're to be on guard about that. But not to worry when it happens. Because the Holy Spirit will speak through us. I, I find incredible comfort in that verse. I think I've said this before. Uh, I've always thought if I get if I get arrested or I get tortured, you know, I've I, I jokingly said I'm going to tell them everything I know about you guys and then make up new stuff. Right? Uh, what what God is telling us is that we won't be alone at that time. That God's Spirit will be there. He will even prepare us and the words. So we don't have to prepare for that. We have to be alert, aware of it, that it could happen. We don't have to prepare what we're going to say. But he does say, and this is painful, that the persecution will tear through our families. Father against child, children against parents. That may be, in some sense, a harder persecution than from religious and civil authorities. But he says, those who endure to the end will be saved. Remember, we can't love our spouse or our father or our mother, our brother or sister more than the Lord. He is the priority relationship. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. So now Jesus is going to specifically tell them what to look for. I'm shocked that every time I hear a prophecy thing, they're they're always on the birth pangs. Because they believe the birth pangs are certain to be before the others. But of course they are. But Jesus has already said they're not the sign, because these things are going to be going on all all through history. So, we pick it up at verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation, standing where it should not be, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one who is on the housetop must not go down, or go in, or get anything out of his house. And the one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. And woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that it doesn't happen in the winter, Uh, for, For then there will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would be saved, but for the sake of the elect... Whom he chose. He shortened those days. If anyone says to you. Here is Christ. Or behold here he is. Do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. And will show signs and wonders. In order to lead astray if possible. Even the elect. But take heed. Because I have told you. Everything in advance. Now Jesus specifically. Talks here about the abomination of desolation. That goes back to the ninth chapter of Daniel. So I'm going to go back to chapter 9 of Daniel. I'm not going to read that whole section, but I'm going to read the verses that specifically talk about the abomination of desolation. Verse 27 and 28 of Daniel 9. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain. Uh, and, oh, I got to pick it up in first uh, 26, sorry. I started at 27. Uh, after 62 weeks, the Messiah will die and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come and destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will be with a flood Even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. So from the time that the city is destroyed there will continue to be wars. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. In the middle of the week he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come and make one one who makes desolate even until complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, difficult words here. But what we have is, we have the city destroyed. The temple was destroyed with that. We have then the sacrifices are in operation in this new covenant. And then that one is broken in the midst of the week, in the midst of a seven year period. This is clearly referring to the temple offering. Jesus says when this happens, those in Judea, that is the area around Jerusalem, need to flee. doesn't tell everybody in the world to get out of town. This is going to happen in Jerusalem. It's going to happen in Judea. It's going to happen in the context of a temple that is having sacrifices that are in operation. And he says, hope that it's not in winter. Or while your nursing children are pregnant, in other passages, he says, or a Sabbath day. Because that makes escaping from the Jerusalem area extremely difficult. Now some people simply look back and say, this is referring to the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. But I think it looks toward a temple that will be built in the future. Not the temple of Ezekiel, which is the kingdom temple. But the one which will have this abomination of desolation standing in it. Standing where he should not be, Jesus says. So to get that, I would like you to look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul talks about this. He says we... Request, brethren, with regard to our com- the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to Him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Which is the end, right? Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless first an apostasy takes place, a falling away, and... The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This abomination of desolation is clearly understood as to be a violation of the temple in Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar uh, is a type of that. There were types of that when the temple was destroyed. It will happen again, but this is the final one where the what we call the Antichrist will do this. So, a great and ultimate tribulation, according to Jesus, will take place. He says this is worse than ever before or ever will be. That means it will be worse than the Holocaust. Probably for about three and a half years. Though Jesus says that the time will be shortened for the sake of the chosen ones. And he says that during that time, we're not to expect Christ to come secretly or in a hidden manner. There will be false Christs and false miracles that will deceive. I am frustrated by the resurgence of the disappearing rapture that is now uh, becoming a major seller again in the Christian community through uh, uh, a a pastor who is very, very well known um, and should know better that the scriptures are not teaching what he's teaching. So we pick it up now at... Mark chapter 13, verse 24. In those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. That's a visible coming. Every eye shall see Him. And the people will cry for the rocks to fall on Him because they know His wrath is coming with Him. And He will send forth His angels and gather together His elect from the four winds, that's all directions, from the farthest end of the earth That's California. (laughs) To the farthest end of heaven. That's where our beloved are with the Lord. So he's going to gather us after the tribulation. After these signs are seen. He's clearly telling us what to look for. And that's not going on right now. So he says... The sun will be darkened, the moon will be dimmed like blood in some of the passages. Stars from heaven will fall and then the Son of Man will come visibly with great power and glory and the angels will gather his chosen one. This is the resurrection and the gathering. Now one of the most misunderstood passages in all of scripture. Verse 28. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this passage referred to Israel. Israel becomes a nation and that's what we're looking for because of the fig tree. Okay? so Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches are already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation, the sun turning, that's what he's talking about, then recognize that he is near at the door. I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So Jesus gives the parable of the fig tree. And over and over and over in commentaries and in prophecy books, they'll tell you the fig tree is Israel. Now, not to mention that Paul uses olive trees to reference Israel. I don't want to get there. Jeremiah does talk about figs, right? Somewhere it says something about a chicken. He's talking about a fig tree. Just a fig tree. When the fig tree puts its leaves forth, you know it's summer. So when you see these things, you know I'm near. That ought to be pretty clear. That's how crazy biblical interpretation can get. And I was steeped, steeped in the belief That Israel becoming a nation meant that Jesus was coming back within a generation. In fact, he was coming back any time. So, let's hear the Lord on this. Verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows... Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. If the angels don't know, and Jesus doesn't know, these guys who are writing the book don't know, okay? This is the book we should be reading. Take heed and be on the alert because you do not know when the appointed time will come. So it's like a man on a journey, who upon leaving his house, put his servants in charge, assigning each one his task, and commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, because you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. In case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be alert. So, Jesus is telling us what to look for. And that we don't know the timing. Right? Until we see those things. So we need to be ready because these things will come in a single generation. Ours? Perhaps, but not likely. I don't see a temple being built. I know they're preparing for it, but other things are going on. Maybe our children's generation. Maybe our grandchildren's generation. We don't know, and therefore we must all be ready to believe that it could happen in our lifetime. Not any week in our lifetime. We need to be ready and alert and watching for these things, not worrying about them or trying to ta- attach them to everything we see on the evening, evening news. Now, I lived in a generation, Linda and I couldn't talk about this, uh, that was filled with these kinds of stampedes. They thought it was a revival. People were selling their homes and living on a mountain because Jesus was coming any minute. Everybody was preaching you have to get saved because Jesus is coming back any minute because Israel had become a nation and we were ending the generation which was supposed to be 40 years and so that was going to be a problem. They strung verses like popcorn. You know, Judas went and hung himself, go down, do likewise what you do, do quickly. I don't think we want to do that again. The present war in Israel is awful. It's a terrible event. It shows the depth of the sin of mankind that Hamas could do to innocent people what they did and claim it's because other people had done something to their ancestors. I believe there may be a persecution of Jews and Christians resulting from this war we have to be prepared to endure it because the wars and the rumors of wars and the persecution is part of what will always be going on. We don't do it for the sake of Israel as a nation. And we don't do it because of prophecy. We do it because we are joined to Israel by the Spirit of God and the Gospel of the Messiah. We are connected to the God of Israel and the Israel of God. And therefore... Their God is our God. Where they go, we go. As Ruth said to Naomi, we have come alongside them in that context. doesn't mean everything they do is going to be right. Not everything we do is right. But we have to maintain that our focus and our intent is to follow what God is saying and watch for the signs that Jesus gave us. I, I think Jesus is a much better authority Than anybody writing a book today. I'm just going to tell you up front. Lay my cards on the table. Okay. And in every one of the gospels. Jesus gives not wars as a sign of anything. He always says, don't worry about that. They're always going to be there. But that's not the end. So we wait for the signs that are the end. And we do what God has asked us to do as we raise our children and our grandchildren in the faith and we try to help other people see the light of the faith. We pray for the peace of Israel. We support those who are in need in, in the conflict that is there. And we rise up against anti-Semitism when we see it in our, in our midst. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is so easy for us to get